What happens when only a partial gospel is preached? Two things. The glory of God in Christ is diminished, and the Christian community remains immature and ineffective. In the previous lesson, we learned the preaching and teaching of the whole will or counsel or purpose of God is seldom heard today. And this fact is the primary cause of much spiritual, mental, and relational suffering within Christian homes and churches. Now this is because the wholeness for which Christ died simply cannot be experienced with a popular but powerless partial gospel. And I told you last time that this is precisely what we're taught these days. A pared down, trimmed back, even distorted versions of the gospel intended to please or intended to uh, tickle the itching ears of shallow, even unregenerate churchgoers, or to maintain and propagate some form of traditionalism. Most of what we call the gospel today are really versions of the gospel that were imported from the European state church. And the prospects are dismal. It's not likely to change. For in the last 200 years, most Christian leaders have proven to be unworthy stewards of the gospel. Instead, they have sought to define a so-called core gospel, focusing primarily on justification by faith alone in order to develop a pseudo-unity and a sham of an evangelistic effort. But, to use a, a, a fruit metaphor, what you need is not the core of the apple, but the whole apple. What you need is not a slice of the pie, but the whole pie. What you need is the gospel of the whole will of God. Now, why is this important to you? First, because it was important to Jesus and his apostles that they preached the whole will of God. Urgent, in fact. Second, because as already stated, Christian maturity and wholeness demands a whole gospel approach. I personally have lived with something less than the full gospel, a whole gospel. Now, if you hear the words full gospel, don't get nervous. I'm not, I'm not um, arguing for some kind of Pentecostal revival here. <laughs> I'm talking about what Paul referred to in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, when he referred to the whole will of God, which can also be translated whole purpose of God or whole counsel of God. So in this lesson, we are going to define what it is meant by the whole will or counsel of God, and then how this whole gospel quite naturally creates a mature, effective Christian community within which wholeness is the rule among its members. So let's start by defining what we mean by the whole will of God. I told you last time of how the Apostle Paul spent three years in Ephesus teaching and exhorting the Christian community in that region. And just prior to leaving that region, he sent for the Ephesian elders and told them the following, 
quote. Uh, I'm speaking from Acts chapter 20, verse 13 through 35 here. Quote, when they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Now I know that none of you, among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, said, It is more blessed to give. Than to receive. End quote. Again, that's Acts chapter 20, verses 13 through 35. So the central to our study is this verse 27. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So apparently there were some who were in fact hesitant to proclaim the whole will of God. Paul says he's not hesitant. Paul says also he has not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful in verse 20. So there's a, a lack of hesitation on the part of Paul. He's willing to move right into it, but there's hesitation, it seems, by others. Now the reason why others would be hesitant is not clear. 
Though in Galatians, Paul tells us that many advanced a more fleshly, alternative gospel. And they did so in order to avoid being persecuted for the preaching of the cross of Christ. Galatians 5.12 You know, conflict avoidance, therefore, could be one reason for some some hesitation to proclaim the whole will of God. In Corinth, there was false teachers who emphasized wisdom, oratory skills, and credentials over the power of God displayed in the preaching of the cross. 1 Corinthians 1, 18-25 So selfish ambition is another common reason that many do not proclaim the whole will of God. In Philippi, Paul was compelled to send Timothy to check on the welfare of the church there because he stated, quote, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 20-21 So seeking self-interest in preaching creates charlatans, not preachers. Later he also urged Timothy to remain in Ephesus so that he could command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. 1 Timothy 1, 3 And then finally, back again in Corinth, the apostle expressed godly jealousy for them due to the presence of some who had preached another Jesus other than we preached. Or if you receive a different spirit, he told them, other than the spirit you received. Or a different gospel from the one you accepted. And then he added, you put up with it easily enough. Paul was jealous for them. He was jealous that they maintain and cling to the one true gospel. Clearly, Paul meant the whole counsel or will of God. So, first of all, in our text, in Acts chapter 20, beginning with verse 18, Paul reminds the elders of his daily conduct, saying, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and tears, in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So whatever Paul meant by the whole will of God, we can deduce that his preaching sprang from his own spirit-transformed character of service, humility, and tears in the midst of severe Jewish opposition. Does that remind you of the life of Jesus? A life of service, humility, and tears in the midst of severe Jewish opposition? Yes, indeed. The life of Christ was being revealed in Paul and through his character and how he lived. The life of this dear brother was that of uh, one who had been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, he lived, yet not him, but Christ was living in him. And the life he lived in the body, he lived by the faith of the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. See Galatians 2.20, 21. 
Paul's character reflects the character of Christ, and therefore, so does his suffering. This is a man, unlike so many Christian leaders today, who can confidently say, quote, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me ask you, is there even one modern Christian leader that we would dare imitate like this? Is there even one Christian leader today that comes to mind? Perhaps there is. There's certainly not many. There's not many men or women today that you could say, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So I think the imperative here is that you and I are, are to be that person. We are to be one who genuinely displays the character of Christ so that you too can tell others to imitate you. Not just listen to you. Not just hear you. But do what you do. Follow your model of Christ in you, in your character and daily conduct. In the midst of severe opposition, Paul, again, writes how he did not hesitate to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but taught them publicly from house to house. And what was it that he declared to them? In verse 21, he says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so in our quest to define the whole will of God, let's unpack that statement. We've, discern, we've determined so far that the proclamation of the whole will of God produces Christ-like character so that others can not only learn from you, but also see Christ in you and follow your example. The whole will of God produces genuine transformation into the image of Christ, which we know from elsewhere in Paul's writings is the paramount purpose of God in the life of every believer. Now let's examine more closely Paul's declaration. Quote, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. Paul could have said, I have declared to all people everywhere that they all must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. But he didn't. And words are important. And phraseology is also significant. Therefore, Paul was careful to use both Jews and Greeks and our Lord Jesus for a very important reason. And this will help you understand what we mean by proclaiming the whole will of God. Because that reason he used that phraseology, he used those words specifically, and he chose his words carefully, is because throughout Paul's mission field, there was growing pressure on the Christian community to divide into two groups, Jewish and Greeks. 
or Gentiles. And this notion of two churches, Jewish and Gentile, separated on the basis of ethnic and religious heritage, outraged Paul. He had no tolerance for such a practice because it was something less than the whole will of God. We read earlier how he was in Ephesus, in that region, and he went from house to house, warning with tears. And what was he warning them of? He was warning them of the day that would come when there would be those who would come and preach another gospel, a perverted gospel, a pared-down gospel, a distorted gospel. And this was another one of those gospels. Nothing could be further from the meaning of the gospel than to reduce Christianity into just another Jewish sect, which would require Gentiles to either go through a second conversion to Judaism in order to be included, or have them form a Gentile church of their own. The teaching that God had one plan for the Jews and a separate plan for Gentiles was to Paul, quote, another gospel, end quote, altogether. And it was worthy only of a double apostolic cursing. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. No, the apostolic preaching was that of a gospel to all the nations of humanity. The promise to Abraham is that he would be a blessing to all nations. The Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant were all fulfilled in the new covenant consecrated with the blood of Jesus. And so we have a gospel in which a new creation, a new creation meant a new humanity. Not a Jewish humanity, not a Gentile humanity, but a new humanity after the image and model of the risen Christ. So if we were to understand the meaning of the whole will of God, we must step back and remind ourselves of the eternal purpose of God, which is to create a people for his own glory who are worthy of his presence in all holiness. Ephesians 1, 4 and verse 11. And while this purpose was delayed in the first Adam, it was perfectly fulfilled in Jesus of Nazareth, the last Adam, and now also in those who are in Jesus. So the eternal purpose of God to create a people for his own glory who are worthy of his presence in all holiness has been fulfilled in the person, in the work, and the life of Jesus of Nazareth and is now at work in you who are united to him. So then, Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. Stick with me now. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves their circumcision 
which is done in the body by human hands. Remember at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law, and with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, out of the two, thus making peace. And when in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together, and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his Spirit. A dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach the Gentiles to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages was past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. End quote. It's Ephesians 2.11 to chapter 3.13.
So we can say that the proclamation of the whole will of God involves the fact that God has fulfilled his eternal purpose by the creation of a new humanity after the image and model in Jesus Christ. And this means that God's covenantal and eschatological plan for humanity has also been fulfilled in Christ and is now at work in those who are in union with him by the Spirit. It is not yet fully realized, but this will occur at the return of Christ and the consummation of all things. But the glorious good news is that God's eternal plan of a new creation under a new covenant as confirmed by the restoration of his own presence through the gift and ministry of the Spirit, is now at work in you who are in Christ Jesus. The result of this work is the transformation of every believer into the image of Christ. And while it has not yet been made known what we will be, says 1 John chapter 3, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Well, we will pause here and then the next lesson continue to examine the proclamation of the awesome responsibility to proclaim the whole will of God and the continual threat of that proclamation being distorted by charlatans, hucksters, hirelings, and savage woes, both within and without the church. This is very important to you. What I've given you today is an insight into the whole counsel of God. This is far more than many of you have ever heard. Most of you, if you're like me, if you become a Christian in the 70s or the 80s, you were you were saved with a very pared-down, minimalistic, reductionist gospel. And it's been difficult for you to know to learn how to live the Christian life as a result. Because the four spiritual laws, or whatever tract you might have been handed, an invitation to pray the sinner's prayer, may have introduced you to the gospel, but it certainly fell short of giving you the whole counsel of God. And as I said a few minutes before, we need the whole will of God, the whole counsel of God, in order for us to become whole. And it is for your wholeness that Christ died.